0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios.
1: Have you ever had the experience of watching a movie as a child and really liking it, but then going back as an adult and being like, oh my God, I missed like half of this? Yes.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: So my experience with that was being a kid and watching When Harry Met Sally with my brother and sister who are much older Mm -hmm. and being like, this movie's so funny. I love it. But then... There was that one scene where Meg Ryan is in the deli and she starts, in my mind, just screaming out of nowhere. Tobin. Like, baby Tobin was like, huh, she's just kind of yelling for no reason. I don't get it. And then they just eat their sandwiches afterwards like nothing happened. But okay, I guess that's funny. I guess that's what adults do. They just yell out of nowhere. And then as an adult, I went back and was like, "Uh." No fake orgasm. Ha 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 ha.
2: <laughs>
0: From WNYC Studios, you're listening to Nancy.
2: With your hosts Tobin Lowe and Kathy Chu. So, Kath. Yes.
1: We are super excited because today we're going to share audio from some of our recent Nancy live shows. Yes.
2: Otherwise known as Kathy takes a beta blocker. <laughs> yes.
1: So this is going to be a mix of stuff from two different shows we've done over the past couple months, and we're going to start with a show from the Bell House in Brooklyn that was part of WNYC's Work It Festival.
2: So we opened that show with like this half competition, half live experiment in front of an audience.
1: Yeah, we had a hypothesis, we had test subjects, we had audio clips. We even had a slideshow, which, side note, we're going to jump in here and there just to let you know what's going on with the visuals.
2: And like every experiment, ours started with an observation.
1: Many queer people get asked to officiate straight weddings.
2: It's true, it's true. Yeah. I've been asked, Tobin's been asked. Right. What's the deal? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Perhaps they want that particular umami flavor of oppression (laughs) at their wedding, just sprinkled lightly over. Um, But Kathy and I have formed a hypothesis.
2: Why do I think queer people get asked to officiate all the time?
1: Put simply, we're better at it. (laughs) Every time I've been at a wedding where a queer person has officiated, they have killed it, right? They're like, they're funny, they're charming, but they also get the gravitas of the day.
2: (laughs) And we're not like, I guess we're not weighed down by a lifetime of wedding norms and expectations. There's so many rules, you guys. There's so many.
1: Right. We think of it more as a hilarious experiment.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So we decided to test out our theory. We decided to have... Two co-workers, one gay, one straight, to officiate a fake ceremony to see who was better. First, gay specimen.
1: Who are you and how do you know Kathy and I?
3: I'm Matt. I'm your senior producer and only producer.
1: And friend.
2: Yeah, sure. (laughs) Former producer. Matt Collette has a lot of advantages, uh, he has officiated two weddings, and also he has a lot of opinions about what not to do at a wedding.
3: Some people are like, we're just going to do the vows. They walk down, and then they're up there for like three minutes. I hate that, because they are too short. Flip side. Cannot be too long. I do not really want to go to a mass at your wedding. I want, like, two good readings. I generally don't like poetry at weddings, but I also just generally don't like poetry. The garter toss, it's really boring, and at one point you're standing there trying to catch your cousin's underwear.
1: <laughs> it's a real thing.
2: What?
3: It's terrible. I once also caught the bouquet by accident.
2: <laughs> Challenging Matthew Colette in this competition will be...
3: Our
1: very sweet, straight coworker, Matthew Larson. <laughs> now, Matthew has never officiated a wedding before, and he was also really nervous when I went to his desk and said, You have to do this. <laughs> but before you count him out, you should know that Matthew has one major advantage. G'day, mate. He's Australian. <laughs> Australian accents make everything sound so much better. It's true, it's true. We are obsessed, I had so many questions. Do people in Australia really put shrimps
2: on the barbie? I put prawns on
1: the barbie. Um, Kathy, you also just spent the first part of the taping asking (laughs) him about Australian celebrities.
2: What about Nicole Kidman?
1: I
4: think she's pretty, pretty big.
2: Yeah, okay.
4: Hugh Jackman's pretty, yeah.
2: Mm, Got it.
4: He's pretty uh, big news.
2: He's big news. Got it. The Hemsworth
4: brothers. Big news. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it felt important.
4: Big news,
1: uh, big news.
2: Okay, so now all we needed was a couple for them to officiate. But where, Tobin, to find a couple who'd be willing to get fake married for our mere podcast? Okay, so I'm going to jump in here to say that, that awe you're hearing in the audience, it's in response to a photo of Tobin and me standing in a hallway, looking sheepishly at each other's feet as sunlight floods in through the window. We legit look like we're in love, but like with each other.
1: Okay, two things real quick. (laughs) Number one, if you listen to the podcast, you know, this is never happening.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise you're very confused.
1: Second thing, we legit took these photos as a promo for the podcast, and then we got them back, and we're like, oh, no, it's just an engagement photo. (laughs) We cannot use these.
2: Except for now. We found a use for them. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so here are the rules of um, this competition. Each officiant will get one day to write a short speech for a theoretical wedding. Um, They can say whatever they want as long as it has some musing on love and marriage.
1: Right. And then Kathy and I are going to vote on who we think was better. Yeah. Um, But before we sent them off to write, we gave them five minutes to ask Kathy and I any questions that would help them with their officiating duties. Anything about our relationship, how we met, anything that was going to help. You can ask us any questions for five minutes starting now.
4: Like now? Yes.
3: Yeah, how long have you guys been together? Do you want, like, some interest in, like, a higher power? Is there something that brought us together, or is it just you guys? What are some of your common interests?
1: Not going to parties.
2: Oh, my God. I love not doing that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Why do you want to get married to each other?
1: Kathy and I make good partners because we are very yin and yang in a way that works.
3: What's
4: your favorite memory that you have of spending time together?
2: We took a long trip And at the end of the trip, we didn't kill each other. That's when I was like, this is it.
1: That was so recent. (laughs) Okay, that was when you were like, this is
3: for real? That was like this past year. What do you guys think marriage is? What does it mean to you?
2: It is some of the hardest work you'll ever do.
3: Who told you that?
2: I viewed it from my parents.
3: (laughs) And how will your marriage affect me? professionally and personally. Oh, it's going to make it so much
1: worse. Oh, no. And time is up. (laughs) So with their time up, we sent them off to work on their ceremonies.
2: So the next day, we pulled um, each of them back into the studio for our fake wedding ceremony. And first up is former Nancy producer and homosexual (laughs) Matt Collette. Matt walked in extremely cocky, mm-hmm. extremely relaxed.
1: Wait, okay, so before we get into your sermon, I just want to ask you, what was your process in putting together your uh, ceremony for today?
3: So uh, it's 1.42 right now. Uh-huh. About an hour ago, uh huh. I remembered that I had to do this, and then I <sighs> leaned over and I asked you what I was supposed to do.
1: Uh-huh.
3: And then you told me, And then I did a couple other things, and then at like 105 to 120, maybe, I wrote on four (laughs) Post-its. Whew, real cocky.
1: Okay, so let's all get in the mood. I want you to imagine Kathy and I perhaps in matching suits.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely there will be a little dog coming down the aisle with a little little pillow on top with the, the rings on top of that.
1: Right. A droid will fly over our heads and drop matching wedding veils over us. Doves are cooing nearby to celebrate our love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, Matt Collette begins his
3: ceremony. And uh, now, before you take your vows, I'm going to give a little speech. Okay, I'm going to close right. my
2: eyes for this. Yeah, me too.
3: Hello, everyone. I'm Matt. I'm Tobin and Kathy's senior producer, and they also said I needed to note Friend. Uh, The first thing I ever knew about Tobin and Kathy was that they were gay. (laughs) And then the second thing I ever knew about them was that they were best friends. And that was basically their whole podcast pitch. (laughs) So I knew that they had this like meaningful and deep relationship, professional, personal. I was was really surprised when they were like, Matt, we want to get married. And I was a little taken aback for a variety of reasons. One, of course, they're both in serious relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two, to the best of my knowledge, this wedding doesn't align with their sexualities Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And third, I guess just because marriage is bigger than friendship. It's even bigger than maybe a work marriage. Work wife, work husband. It's bigger than all of that. Because marriage is a promise. And it's not one you take lightly. It's a promise you make in public, surrounded by your loved ones. It's something that people have fought hard for and waited their entire lifetimes for. The vows you're about to take probably say something about how you're going to stay together for richer and poorer, sicker and in health, as long as you both shall live. I'm going to tell you about half of that stuff doesn't matter. You don't need to make a really big promise to stay together when you're richer. You don't need to make a very big promise to stay together when there's health. You're making a very big promise in front of basically everyone you know, Uh, potentially maybe this live show audience if they're hearing this you're making this very big promise for the hard parts for the sicker for the poorer for basically all the times it might just be easier for you to go your own way so that's what you're promising each other today with everyone here as your witnesses with everyone here to support you and hold you accountable that you are staying together for the hard stuff for the stuff that you don't even imagine could happen right now You don't need to make a promise for the good stuff, but you have to make a promise for the hard stuff. Hopefully it's not too hard. Hopefully that stuff doesn't come for a really long time. That's what you're promising today. And that's what your marriage is. I thought that was nice.
2: Yeah.
1: I like that his has the quality of like Linus talking about the meaning of Christmas. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Linus in a solo spotlight being like, that's what Christmas is about, Charlie Brown.
2: That's true. It does. It does.
1: Former I like producer. it. All right, up next is Matthew Larson, our sweet, sweet Australian coworker. Real quick, I want you to shake your shoulders out. I'm sensing some nerves. Are you a little nervous? Nah. I mean
4: who's on the radio every day, eh? <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> all
1: right, so again, close your eyes, suits, dogs, doves, droids, all of that. Yep. And with that, Matthew Larson
4: starts his ceremony. We are gathered today for a solemn event, (laughs) profoundly hopeful but infinitely difficult. We are here to celebrate the wedding of Cathy and Tobin. A good marriage is not one where troubles are magically absent. It is one where troubles are faced with insight and generosity. Humility is probably the most important emotion for the success of a relationship. Humility starts with an ample, Accurate and sorrowful recognition of all one's failings. It is filled with an apology. Sorry, it's filled with apology and modesty. It doesn't pretend that flaws are charming quirks or excusable oddities. It contains an open admission that we are ch- that we are charming quirks. God oh, damn it! Um, I'll just read that part again. It contains an open admission that we're charming quirks or excusable additions oh shit sorry I like screwed up my <laughs> typing here and I'm like hang on um Tobin do you admit that you were failed <laughs> that you are a failed broken human being not in every way but in some ways so serious that at points you will be you will be a grave burden to Kathy
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> oh yeah, yes
2: I mean yes
4: yep is serious. And what about you, Kathy?
2: Yes, perhaps less so. Just kidding. No, we
1: both know that's true. (laughs) Oh boy. That's it. So,
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. now we're
1: going to vote on who we like better.
2: Would you like to reveal your vote? Matthew Collette. I voted for Matthew Larson because of how sweet he is and also the accent.
1: So currently we have a tie, which means, of course, we have to go to audience vote. <laughs> I would like to hear applause if you think Australian straight coworker Matthew Larson did better. I appreciate you, Matthew Larson stands.
2: Yeah, we have all failed. We have all failed. And now,
1: if you think former superstar producer Matt Collette did better, please applaud now.
2: So, as you can hear, Matt Collette had the honor of taking the prize for queer people everywhere. Yes.
1: Also, a quick note, since we taped this back in November, both Matt and Matthew Larson no longer work at WNYC. But we wanted to say thank you and we love you just the same.
2: Coming up after the break, we talk about rom-coms and Sandra Bullock with actor Daniel K. Isaac.
1: Kathy, I want to tell you about one of my actual favorite podcasts, Las Culturistas.
2: You talk about that show all the time.
1: Yeah, it's like hanging out with your smartest, funnest, most pop culture savvy friends. It's hosted by Bowen Yang. You might know him from SNL or Nora from Queens. And Matt Rogers of Game Show and our cartoon president.
2: Love them.
1: Each week, they interview an amazing guest about the pop culture that shaped their life. And they do this hilarious thing where you can rant about a piece of culture that frustrates you. Mine would be speaking only roles in musicals. (laughs) Okay.
2: Episodes are released every Wednesday. Listen and subscribe to Lost Culturistas on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And we're back.
2: So, Tobes, sometimes I feel like we might have a psychic connection because I'll be thinking of something and suddenly I get a text from you saying the exact same thing.
1: Yes, this happens all the time. I think it's very creepy.
2: Is it creepy? I don't know if it's creepy. It's cute. (laughs) It's cute. Anyway. This is something that happened recently when we were separately watching the show The Other Two.
1: Which, if you don't know, is this comedy about a family navigating internet and YouTube culture. But the thing we were reacting to was this scene where one of the main characters falls for this cutie named Jeremy in like this adorable gay rom-com scene. And I just immediately texted you to be like, this is
2: adorable. It was so cute. So Jeremy's played by Korean American actor Daniel K. Isaac. Shout out to Asian Excellence. Mm-hmm. You might also know Daniel from his role on Billions, which is a very serious drama all about legal battles and hedge funds and Wall Street, all things I don't really understand. So I loved seeing him in this guest star turn on The Other Two, having this little meat cute that was so sweet.
1: So we decided to have Daniel as a guest at our recent live show, again at the Bell House in Brooklyn, and we started by playing a scene from The Other Two where his character is on a first date with the main character, Carrie, who is played by Drew Tarver. In this scene, they've just left a party and are sitting together in a pizza place. Drew Tarver speaks first.
0: What's wrong? Not hungry, or...? No, I... I just wasn't eating in case we... and I was the... you. Know. Oh! Yeah, oh, no, I wasn't gonna eat in case I was the... Well... <laughs> One of us can eat the pizza. Right. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um... I'd prefer to eat the pizza. Oh, really? Yeah, but if you want to eat... No, no, you, you, you can, can eat the pizza. Okay, yeah, I can. Uh-huh. Great. For tonight. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> <Yay>. <clears throat> <clears throat>
2: yeah, um. that scene, completely over my head.
1: <laughs> 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 uh. <laughs> I had the experience of watching it and being like, huh, they're talking a lot about pizza. Oh my God, they're talking about topping and bottoming. (laughs) And was like so excited to see it talked about this way, like on a show and like this very real and sweet interaction. So I guess my first question is like, what was it like to film that scene? And when you like got the script, especially, did you have a moment of like, oh, we're going to, we're going to talk about this, like on a mainstream television show? I
0: guess I I just surround myself with so many gay people in my life that I didn't think it was a big deal. Um, And so when when Twitter erupted with these clips, I thought, oh, I guess we don't talk about this. My Twitter followers are really just fans of billions, which is like middle-aged straight white men. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... um, so when, when I was given the clip to post to promote the show, they, um, a bunch of them were like, pizza, so, so what? I don't... I, I don't understand. And that is called privilege. So... <laughs> so silly.
2: Well, so the, the other thing that happens on the show is that you have a very, like, sweet rom com relationship yeah. with Carrie. I'm just really curious about what is your stance on rom-coms generally?
0: Uh, I grew up loving them and I still love them and I'm glad that now we are putting different um, people of color or different bodies Mm -hmm. and sexualities and gender identities as the focal point or as the the main um, character. But uh, I really loved Sandra Bullock uh, growing up in That's all to of be her celebrated. rom-coms, and uh, and still love her to this day.
2: Yeah, same. <clears> yeah.
0: yeah,
1: You know who take a bullet for Sandra Bullock? <laughs>
0: this one right, right here. There. <laughs>
2: my, my mom once. I love Sandra Bullock so much. My mom once came up to me and said, last night I had a dream that you and Sandra Bullock were talking about something. <laughs> That's how much. <laughs> I was really into her.
0: Just, just chatting.
2: It might be because my walls were covered with Sandra Bullock rom-com posters.
0: Mm. And it was a surprise when you came out to her?
2: Um. Short answer, yes. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. I mean, my posters, my posters were... I was too poor for posters, so I, t- I took GQ magazine, like, rip-outs from the magazine and, like, collaged it.
1: Mm. But
0: it was for fashion... Oh. Um, <laughs> Not the like half naked men. The jeans they were wearing—that was only an eighth of a page.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow!
0: Did you also with a pen just
1: like circle pants? That's what I'm focusing <laughs> oh, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
0: White <laughs> denim is really in this year, mom. <laughs> no. Wait.
1: So what were the rom coms? So you mentioned Sandra Bullock. What were the rom coms that like you stand hard for?
0: Okay. Um, that's tricky because I, I my mom kept a very religious household, and so we had very few VHS tapes. For those of you who don't know what a VHS is. <laughs> uh, so the bargain bin at Pick and Save had um, While You Were Sleeping... Oh. So I Love I watched that on repeat. Um, <laughs> that and like the Disney movies I was allowed to watch. So my entire romantic aesthetic is Disney princesses pre-Frozen, like pre-Disney woke in the like, um, <laughs> like f- women have agency. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm asleep, and a man kissed me unconsensually, or like, I have seven shorter bodied people, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I'm not gonna choose them. It's the other guy, (laughs) right? Yeah,
1: that is now that you bring it up, it is super messed up that she doesn't get with one of the dwarves. Yeah, they They do clean for her, they were there for her, Mm -hmm. they do everything for
0: her. Yeah, Doc would be such a
1: caring lover. I took it to a weird place. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, just while you were sleeping is yeah, the okay. answer to that actual <laughs> question. <laughs>
2: what were the Disney movies that you were allowed to watch?
0: Oh, I actually think my first gay crush was Gaston in Beauty and the Beast, <sighs> which mm. is a prediction of how much trouble I would have in gay world after the fact,
4: <laughs> oh, no. um, and
0: what I seek in men, <laughs> but I liked his muscles, Little Mermaid, and mm-hmm. that, yeah you just like block out king triton's head he's got a good body (laughs) daddy complex Uh, single mother you know it's the textbook case it's okay (laughs) that um
1: that gets to another thing that we've talked about on the show before which is like when you're a little gay kid or a little queer kid Mm -hmm. and like all the things that you see or or influence you are, like, essentially for straight folks. Yeah. And you're, like, trying to find an influence there. And then, like, this moment hits in the early 2000s with, like, Will and Grace and queerest Folk coming out. Mm -hmm. And, like, I know for us, we've talked about how those were still very white shows. Totally. And I'm wondering, like, you talked a little bit before, we've talked a little bit before about how, like, those shows came out and you saw them, and you're like, oh, this is not for me. So, like, what was that moment like?
0: I watched Will and Grace and Queer's Folk with um, my high school best friend. We were on water polo together, which is like the gayest sport ever. <laughs> Yeah, but we were the only gay guys which we discovered because we saw each other's internet browser history like, oh you're gay, I'm gay too um, uh, and so then we would watch and he was white and we would watch Will and Grace on the phone together <laughs> No, um, and we'd always be like you're Will or you're Jack or um, like, no I want to be Will, internalized homophobia I'm uh, like I, I don't want to be Jack he's flamboyant and and then after a while, I just thought, oh, all these shows I watched, like Friends and Will and Grace and Charmed, I really like Charmed for some reason,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, were just white protagonists. And I was trying to lend my generosity and see myself in their stories. Um, and it wasn't until like Sandra O oh popped up in Grey's Anatomy my, oh my senior God. year of you high guys. school. And I thought, oh, she has, she, the story is about her. Like, there are, she has complicated relationships, friendships, and, and she's the focal point. And I, I craved something more, even though I still watched all of Will and Grace and I, I watched all of Queer's Folk, which I remember because I, um, I, I would always pause it in the most inopportune times. So my mom would borrow my laptop and she'd be like, you're looking at gay porn again. And I think, no, this is actually a tender love moment um, <laughs> between the twink and the, the heartless um, heartthrob. And they're actually connecting and they're about to part again. And um, he got gay bashed in high school. Anyway, so um, I have heavy fatigue still in the idea of lending my generosity to those um, ciphers and I would I am grateful for the opportunities that we have now where where people can just see themselves reflected on screen and on stage um, yeah. yeah
2: well speaking of we have another clip
1: okay just jumping in here real quick to tell you what's happening in this clip uh, It starts with Ju Tarver and Daniel's characters talking as they chaperone a high school dance
0: not to be too whatever but it was nice that you were here tonight. There's never any gay guys at these dances. All the teachers are straight. Oh yeah, that sucks. Well, the science teacher's gay, but he's 82. Oh, yeah. And the sex was terrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then they share this really sweet kiss on the dance floor. But then a high school student who has been obsessing over Drew Tarver's character sees them and shoots them an evil look. Okay, in retrospect, that was a weird clip to choose, but... (laughs) No, no, I got it.
0: (laughs) It's healing my inner child um, to see something like that on screen.
1: I'm curious. So, we talked a little bit about growing up and seeing these rom coms and like sort of having to have a generosity to see yourself in these things. Mm -hmm. And now you have an opportunity to be in romantic storylines and have like a shot that pulls away as you kiss the guy and that sort of thing. Like, how does that feel? And do you feel? like, the power of that. I just
0: thought it was so cool to get to audition for the love interest. I think it really is healing some, like, um, young Daniel, closeted, repressed, and, like, sad, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) that, like, gets to see this. If I had seen that as a kid, like, I really would have believed the, like, it gets better slogan, um, Mm. and not, like, have done the other self-hating crazy conversion therapy and, like, religious um, grapplings that Mm. I did instead.
2: Yeah, you get to play, like... A character in one of the rom-coms that you watch growing up. Totally. What does that do to your personal life? Like, if you can like flirt on screen, does that translate?
0: But well, actually, because of billions, um, I can never tell if a guy is hitting on me or flirting with me anymore. Because um, you know the like eye contact game you do on the subway or like um, or at a restaurant, and it's you know <laughs> it's middle-aged white guys in like suits or now I can tell fleece vests like that's a red flag. But. Um, <laughs> But, like, there are, there are metrosexuals. I'm always like, yes, I'm getting hit on by that, like, hot guy in a, you know, with a perfectly tailored blue suit. And, um, and instead, they're like, yo, Billions, I love that show, man. I'm like, fuck. Um, are you bi-curious? No. Um so uh, because of this, I think uh, a lot of, I've gotten a lot of, um, what, what do the kids say, slipped into my DMs, a lot of like, mm-hmm.
1: is
0: that right? Slide, Slide into my, yeah, thank you. Slipped Slide. implies that they were like,
1: ah, yeah. how did I, <laughs> how did I get here?
0: <laughs> That's more on brand for me.
2: <laughs> thank you very much, Daniel, for thank joining you. us on stage. Yeah.
1: Everyone thank give you, it up yeah. for Daniel okay, Isaac.
2: All right, another episode done. It's credits time. Producer. Zakia Gibbons.
1: Production fellow.
2: Temi Figbenle. Editor. Stephanie Joyce.
1: Sound design.
2: Jeremy Bloom.
1: Executive producer.
2: Paula Schumann.
1: I'm Tobin Lowe. I'm Kathy Tu. And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios.
2: W. W W W.